WABC New York and 1071 WLIR Hampton Bays. It's the 77 WABC News Hour. Talking the news with Noah Layden. All the news you need to know with Joe Nolan, Traffic, Justin Ellick, Sports. And now, talking the news with Noah on 77 WABC. Yeah, that's me, 5 o'clock. Good morning. It is Wednesday, August 16th. Your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. Rain on and off throughout this day. The high 80. Those clouds, they hang around tonight and over night low 72 and then thursday sun and clouds high 82 if you're walking out the door with us right now 70 and raining in yonkers up in westchester county 71 and raining in cranford down in new jersey and it is 70 and raining here in midtown so much to get to as we work our way up to the six o'clock hour sid and friends in the morning reading the uh, new york post this morning as i go through the papers usually every day before we start the show and uh this story caught my attention. Assemblyman Michael Fitzpatrick, he is a Republican out of Smithtown out on Long Island, and he's proposing this bill that would uh, stop shoplifters or stop people who stop shoplifters from being booted from their job. So the way it works now is many places like, um, you know, CVS, Rite Aid, uh, grocery stores, they tell their workers not to engage with shoplifters. And if they do engage with shoplifters, a lot of times, even if they're able to get the shoplifter to return the items, they're fired from the job because they don't want to handle what comes maybe in the aftermath or during one of these interactions if it goes wrong. So now this assemblyman out of Smithtown, Long Island, Michael Fitzpatrick, wants to put a law on the books that if you stop a shoplifter, or even if you don't stop a shoplifter and they get away, that worker won't be fired. I find this very odd, this whole bill. I mean, I think we probably don't want those workers who are, you know, they're getting paid, what, 15, 16 bucks an hour at most to engage with somebody who's uh, stealing items out of the store. In the end, they're items, and I know it costs the store a lot of money, but uh, somebody, have you seen any of these moments before? I've witnessed a few of them. If you try to stop a shoplifter, and I saw this happen at the right aid about 10 blocks away from here, the it was a security guard, so it wasn't a worker, but a security guard tried to stop the shoplifter who had grabbed a thing of tuna, um, some watermelon, and some other items, and the guy fought like hell because he didn't want to get caught. And eventually, the security guard just sort of let him go, and he raced out of there. So I don't know that it would be a good idea to encourage retail workers to engage with shoplifters who are trying to steal things. I, and we have to figure out the shoplifting problem because it's crazy. I mean, I see it run in front of my eyes uh, a number of times over the last couple months. But really, do we really want workers to be stopping these people, encouraging them with this bill? I think this is a bad idea. But Michael Fitzpatrick out of Smithtown, Long Island, is going to try to push it through. All right, 503, let's get into the headlines. The top five at five. There was a wild car chase through the West Village. Former Mayor Rudy Giuliani pushing back against his indictment. A migrant tent city in Queens has opened its doors. What's up with those raccoons running around Whitestone? A crazy story of adoption and love out of Staten Island. All right, let's get into it at 504. We'll start down in the West Village. A bicyclist in critical condition after being hit by a Mercedes that led police on a chase through Manhattan last night. The car was being pursued 
crude in the East Village. When it fled westbound towards the West Village, there were a ton of people out who witnessed this car chase. There was people on pickleball courts, people out having dinner on the streets. Once we heard the crunch, we turned and we looked and we saw him come screaming down the street, two or three cop cars after him. He hit the curb and then he tried to get away going up the street. It was the one way and he got blocked. This car trying to do everything to get out of the way. That's when police swooped in to pull over this vehicle leading to this chase. Uh, one of the people in the car got out right there, started to run away. He was caught. Meanwhile, the driver tried to get away in the car. Yeah, he jumped out of the car and he started running. And the cop put it after him. I actually ran for cover because I was waiting for the for the bullets to fly. And then we heard the taser go off. And then finally he fell. Yeah, they used the taser on the guy who raced out of the car. Meanwhile, the driver was still trying to get away. Uh, this is in the East Village. They call in a description of this car over the radio. Uh, officers in the West Village then spot the car a few minutes later on Houston Street. They attempt to pull it over. The driver refused, fled from the stop on McDougal and West Houston as uh, pickleball players and pedestrians ducking for cover as this car is just erratic. Uh, the driver swerves into a parking lane. That's where he hit this bicyclist, a 54-year-old woman. Unfortunately, she's in critical condition, but she is expected to uh, survive. The driver then turned north on McDougal, got stuck in oncoming traffic, attempted to flee on foot, but they chased him down, took him into custody. So you won't be surprised to hear that uh, sources say he has five prior arrests, mostly are for domestic violence. That's the guy behind the wheel. The other guy who was in the passenger seat in this Mercedes has 20 arrests and is currently on parole. In fact, I mean, this guy was in such bad shape that um, he was hanging out with his, uh, here he was in this uh, stolen Mercedes. He ran out of the car to get away and he had an ankle bracelet on from a previous gun charge and 20 prior arrests. Uh, police Say Now, there, you may have seen this over the last couple of days. The NYPD has said they're going to pull back from car chases in the city because there's been a number of incidents over the last couple of months where people were hurt, you know, innocent civilians during these car chases. But they say this car chase last night never exceeded 21 miles per hour, but they are conducting a review to make sure officers stayed in with this new policy to not chase cars. Uh, in this case, they radioed to another officer who was able to spot this car. Unfortunately for this uh, one woman, this 54-year-old bicyclist, keep our fingers crossed for her that she makes a full recovery. The good news is both people, the driver and the person, the passenger in this car, are in police custody this morning. WABC News Time 508. Of course, all the talk over the last 24 hours is this fourth and latest indictment out of Georgia. If you think that that might distract some of President Trump's, former President Trump's supporters, you probably would be wrong. Uh, he still has a stronghold on supporters after facing his fourth indictment. Here are some people in Midtown. They're putting him on a spit, going after him uh, unjustly. They're trying to divert away from the whole Biden debacle. Yeah, he shouldn't be indicted. That's a fix. They're going to keep throwing stuff at him and, until they can try to get him to stop running, which isn't going to happen. They just want to get him on something. 
Trump and several other allies, of course, including Rudy Giuliani, indicted in connection with overturning, trying to overturn the 2020 presidential election in Georgia. The former president taking to Truth Social, announcing a press conference in Bedminster where he says he'll share a report proving his innocence as he faces criminal conspiracy charges in Georgia. Meanwhile, on the streets of Manhattan. He supports a bunch of fools. It doesn't matter what they believe or not. It's what the rest of the country believes. He has it coming, so it's a matter of time. Well, let's just hope he doesn't have 51% of the supporters vote. <laughs> Former, of course, New York City Mayor Rudy Giuliani, of course, a host here, 77 WABC, named in this indictment. Uh, some people uh, support the former mayor. There's some distractors as well. I think he was uh, amazing for us. Times change. People forget about all the good he's done. He's a good man, and I think it's kind of ridiculous what they're doing. He was a good mayor, but not anymore. He's loony. Rudy Giuliani defending himself yesterday here on his own show, 3 o'clock on 77 WABC, then went on uh, Katz and Cosby last night to talk more as well. I mean, it's quite obvious this is a political indictment. This may, I mean, they're all obviously political, but she's had this for two years. She could have brought it a year ago. It's a ridiculous indictment because it belongs in federal court, and she got her publicity yesterday. I hope she kept home movies of it because she can watch it. When she, you know, when she, when they, when they write her uh, history as a lawyer, which is basically no contribution to the law. And uh, this is, and she made a jerk out of herself. She doesn't know the rules of her own court. Lots of people asking me yesterday, must have been crazy there with the indictment and Rudy Giuliani being involved at 77 WABC. It wasn't. It was a normal day. Uh, you know, we know the players well, including uh, Giuliani's advisor, Ted Goodman, who's here, with the, uh, the former mayor, when he does a show most days. He was out there yesterday talking to the press, uh, saying that uh, the former mayor has done nothing wrong. Millions of Americans stand by Mayor Rudy Giuliani because they understand that he remains the most effective prosecutor in American history. Once again, we are talking about a man who locked up the most serious criminals on Wall Street. Ted Goodman going on to say that everything Giuliani has done is all by the book, and he says in the end, justice will prevail. Now, even in this particular case, let's remember, this is a man who's been proven right time and time again when it comes to Russian collusion, when it comes to uh, President Joe Biden's foreign bribery. He knows what he's done uh, is all by the book and uh, justice will prevail. Giuliani's advisor there, uh, Ted Goodman, Kimberly Guilfoyle, who, of course, is uh, Donald Trump Jr.'s uh, girlfriend. She was also on Katz and Cosby last night defending Donald Trump. It's a three ring circus. But let me tell you something. Um, what an embarrassment this is for law and order and for justice in our country, where this uh, politically motivated and also looking out for, you know, personal gain and fundraising off of this. She clearly has big aspirations, trying to make a name for herself, using her office in an inappropriate way. Um, and this is all just election interference because they know they can't. You know, beat President Trump. So how will this all work out? Former President Trump, 18 other defendants indicted by this Georgia grand jury, will reportedly be booked at the Fulton County Jail in Georgia. Fulton County Sheriff's Office spokeswoman Natalie Ammon said on Tuesday that based on guidance from the DA's office, it is expected all 19 will be booked and that defendants can turn themselves in at any time. Ammons also went on to say that the booking process and arraignment are separate, with some arraignments possibly done virtually. 
I'm Mark Mayfield. Of course, it just isn't the Republicans that have their troubles. Go to the Democratic side as well on the Hunter Biden story. House Republicans say they have a 2018 text message from Hunter Biden in which he claimed to have paid his father's bills for more than a decade. And they suggest that's further evidence that the first family's corruption and text thread with his assistant, whose name is Katie Dodge. Hunter wrote that his Wells Fargo account shut me out again. He said something to the effect of too many cooks in the kitchen too many profile changes uh asking of where they're going to get the money uh i guess dodge uh, his assistant repeats that some bills need to be paid hunter then responds to her saying my dad has been using most lines of dad of course meeting president biden my dad has been using most lines on this account which i th- uh, uh offer with gracious offerings and i've paid his bills over the last 11 years the text shows some combining of hunter's and Biden's finances that has been uncovered by Fox News Digital in past reports. Uh, President Biden continues to be asked about that, snapping at reporters who asked him about this alleged corruption involving him and his son. He says there's nothing to it. Uh, he was out uh, yesterday in uh, Wisconsin highlighting his Inflation Reduction Act in the battleground state of Wisconsin. Didn't want to talk about Hunter, did want to talk about this. Though. I signed a significant piece of clean energy, let's say, combined, combating the existential threat of climate change. The single largest investment ever anywhere in the world without one single member of the other team voting for it. The president touring a manufacturing plant specializing in electric power conversion spoke on how his administration has attracted a half a trillion dollars in domestic manufacturing investment. Spending on construction of manufacturing manufacturing plants that need to be built nearly doubled in the last two years. So Biden's been on the tour to showcase what he calls this landmark legislation he signed into law. As polling has shown, voters are pessimistic over his handling of the economy. In a moment, we'll talk about President Biden and his response to Hawaii. But first at 515, let's head over to the 77 WABC Sports Desk. Happy Wednesday. Good morning, Justin Ellis. Happy Wednesday. Good morning to you. Noam Alainen, another bleak night. For both of our local ball clubs last night with the Yankees falling 5 to nothing to the Braves in Atlanta in the middle game of a three-game set. And the Mets losing 7-4 at home in game two of three with the Pittsburgh Pirates. For the Yanks, they got one hit by Atlanta's Bryce Elder in a completely non-competitive effort and route to their fourth straight loss. The last place Bombers at 60-60 and are now 500 for the first time since May 1st. When they were 15 and 15, they have never been under 500 this season. And New York, in fact, are at 500 this late in the season for the first time since 1995. They'll try not to dip below that mark tonight in the finale with Atlanta set for a 7.20 p.m. first pitch. The Yanks have yet to name a starter to go against Atlanta's Charlie Morton. As for the Mets, it was a 6 run seventh inning out of the Pittsburgh Bats. That spelled doom for the Orange and Blue, squandering a three-run lead and route to their loss. They'll see if they can avoid a sweep at the hands of Pittsburgh in the series finale, set for a 1.10 p.m. first pitch this afternoon. Tyler McGill gets pegged for the start against Pittsburgh's Johan Aviedo. And more preseason football. Looking forward more so to that than the Yankees and Mets these days. Gnome, you got that to look forward to this weekend. On Friday night, the Giants and Panthers will meet at MetLife. And Saturday, it's a big weekend at MetLife, the Jets and Buccaneers. They'll kick things off at MetLife on Saturday. They charge 
full price for those tickets for preseason, right? It's like you're going to a regular season game. Uh, I don't know. I, I, I haven't checked do. out the price. Have you checked out the prices? I, you know, I just remember looking once and thinking, really, you're going to charge me at that price for a, a preseason game? That's outrageous. Oh, I'm being told that that is the case. It's the same really? Price. Yeah. Who are you being told by? By none other than City Sydney uh, uh, Ferris Rosenberg. Uh, what is he sitting, standing in their corner, just like <laughs> yeah. profusely nodding his head? Okay, yes. gotcha. And Joe Nolan probably could tell you as well. Yeah. But I can't. I have no idea. Oh. <laughs> That's Sports Now 177 WABC. WABC News Time 519. Let's go out to Hawaii. Hawaii Governor Josh Green says the death toll from the wildfires, uh, wildfires there has hit the triple digits now. I spoke with the president this morning. We speak often. He and Joe Biden extend their absolute love and heartfelt regrets about the tragedy that's occurred. They're heartsick that we've lost these 101 souls. Now, only a handful of those known dead have been identified, with investigators just gathering DNA profiles of more than a dozen people. Officials expect the death toll will continue to rise even more as that missing list is still out there, where people do not know what had happened to their loved ones. Of course, unfortunately, the thought is that they passed away, perished in these wildfires. Uh, President Biden, you know, initially had made no comment when he was asked about these Hawaii fires, spoke more about it yesterday, says that Hawaii will have everything it needs from the federal government to recover from those fires. And that will get aid into the hands of people who desperately need it, who have lost their loved ones, who have lost their homes, their livelihoods, who have been damaged and destroyed. President says he plans to visit Hawaii as soon as he can without getting in the way of those search and rescue efforts. I immediately approve the governor's request for expedited major disaster declaration. That's a fancy word of saying whatever you need, you're going to get. So at least 500 federal personnel are deployed to Maui and FEMA search and rescue teams are on the ground. Though we did hear from former Hawaii Congresswoman Tulsi Gabbard on Sid and Friends in the Morning yesterday that she said there is more that could be done. More military might could be sent that way. But Biden pushing back against that, saying that they've gotten everything that they need so far. I want to go make sure we got everything they need. want to be sure we don't disrupt the ongoing recovery effort. All right, 521, Secretary of State Antony Blinken says efforts to bring home those Americans detained in Iran. He says they are not linked to nuclear talks with Iran. We continue to pursue a strategy of deterrence, of pressure, and diplomacy. We remain committed to ensuring that Iran never acquires a nuclear weapon. Blinken telling reporters yesterday that nothing about America's overall approach to Iran has changed as the administration is pushing Iran to roll back advancements to its nuclear weapons program. We continue to hold the regime accountable for its human rights abuses, destabilizing actions in the region, funding of terrorism, provision of drones to Russia, and war against Ukraine. The Biden administration announced uh, last week five Americans imprisoned in Iran were released. They were placed on house arrest as part of these negotiations towards their eventual release. They have not been released just yet. There is thought that they may be traded from some Iranian prisoners. Not all of that has been worked out, but apparently the first steps, of course, are in motion. 522, while we're overseas, North Korea is finally confirming publicly that the American soldier, Travis King, who walked uh, from the south into the north a couple weeks back, is there, is in their country. State-run media claimed that King admitted to entering illegally and expressed a willingness to seek refuge in North Korea or a third country. The report also said King confessed to harboring ill feeling against inhumane maltreatment and racial discrimination within the U.S. Army. U.S. officials say the alleged comments couldn't be verified. While in South Korea last month, King sprinted into North Korea while on a tour of the demilitarized zone.
I'm Chris Caraccio. 523, a new survey shows saying hello to your neighbors is linked to a higher well-being. According to Gallup, American adults who regularly greet more than one neighbor have better well-being than those who don't say hello or greet just one. Older Americans and those with higher incomes tend to greet their neighbors more often. Hmm. On average, the poll says Americans report greeting five neighbors. Over a quarter say hello to six or more. I'm Mark Mayfield. Yeah, I think people freak out in my neighborhood if you say hello to them. Kids uh, yawning, rubbing their eyes as they uh, get back to class. Uh, doctors say that most students are not getting enough sleep. This has been a complaint for a number of years now. If you're looking at most children, probably somewhere around 9 to 10 hours of sleep is going to be the healthiest. Pediatrician Dr. Mandy Svatek says parents need to get those electronics out of the bedroom. That means no TV, more importantly, no cell phone that uh, impedes sleep. Children are going to bed after 10 p.m. It's now time to kind of start that transition, especially for the younger children. Yeah, so uh, you got to lay down some of those tough rules. It's not always easy to do. Take the phone away, TV out of the room. Getting them into the room without the electronics, without the TV, getting the devices out of the room, that's also going to be important. Yeah, good luck with that. The opening bell rings this morning on Wall Street after the markets fell sharply yesterday. Weak industrial production numbers from China dampened investor sentiment as retail sales data came in higher than expected. Financial shares took a hit with J.P. Morgan Chase, Wells Fargo, Bank of America all down more than 2%. At the closing bell, the Dow fell 361 points. S&P 500 lost 51. The Nasdaq dropped 157 points. WABC News Time, 525. A wild scene out on Long Island yesterday. Long Island officer behind the wheel of a police cruiser ran down a woman yesterday afternoon, and it was no accident. Traffic had come to a complete stop on a busy North Belmore intersection after a woman was standing uh, in the middle of the roadway pointing a gun at everybody in her path. Moments before the uh, cop hit her with the car, police say this 33-year-old woman was crossing the intersection and fired this gun into the air. So all of a sudden, these police officers show up, try to figure out how to stop this woman without having to shoot her with all these other cars around. So they came up with this idea to hit her with the police car. It's a loaded handgun that she's waving around in the traffic pointing at people that have got their children and their families in their cars. Yeah, so the woman then points the gun at her head. And then in this video that you can go to WABCradio.com to see, by the way, um, it's uh, this Nassau County officer hits her with his squad car, which, by the end, by the way, in the end was a brilliant move because it knocked her down. It mm, gave her some minor injuries, but more importantly, it gave the officers on the scene a moment to run in, tackle her, and take that gun away from her. All these precious seconds, thanks to this officer who uh, hit her as uh, as you know as a uh, as a move to stop her. I thought it was brilliant that the guy just knocked her down, so that I could at least you know get her under control. So I thought that was a great move. Could someone be on drugs? Is someone just going through a mental breakdown? You know, you don't really know. Yeah, they didn't know what was going on, but uh, the people who watched it play out, stuck in their cars, say it was really a brave moment by this police officer to carry this out. So they took this woman to the hospital. They cuffed her, took her. Now she's going to get some mental health, which it seems that 
that she may need. The officer, by the way, who hit her, he was traumatized by the fact he had to do that. He was also taken to the hospital. Um, but uh, Nassau County police say that officer was a hero. I never am going to Monday morning back my quarter, my, my, my cops. They did an outstanding job. They faced down deadly physical force against civilians and themselves, and they used their vehicle to stop that threat. Yeah, I mean, she really could have taken out a number of people waving that gun around. She had shot it off once. Who knew if she was going to shoot it off again? Good job done by that Nassau County police officer and the other ones who raced in uh, to tackle her once she had been hit by the car. The 77 WABC News Hour. Talking the news with Noah Layden on 77 WABC. Penn Station and 77 WABC. Both are real New York. Listen to this podcast now on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Dominic Carter, City Hall. 21-year-old Kai Sinat, who damn near caused a full-scale Union Square riot. Bottles thrown at members of the NYPD. Even huge flower pots thrown at police landing just inches away. Thousands of Kai Sinat's followers erupted in chaos in New York City. And now, after the fact, he says he is beyond disappointed in the bad behavior. Right thing to say, but prosecutors should seek jail time. Promises of free item giveaways and masses of unruly young people are a recipe for a disaster. Download all of Red Apple Media's podcasts right now through your favorite podcast platform. Well, he is Greek-American. He's a New Yorker. It's a great American success story. He's involved in a number of businesses. He's a great role model. He's got plenty of ideas on how to bring change. This Sunday at 8 a.m., it's the Cats Roundtable with John Katsimatidis. Good morning, America. This is the Cats Roundtable. John Katsimatidis here. Giving you both sides of the story with New York sensibility. This Sunday at 8 a.m., it's the Cats Roundtable with John Katsimatidis on Talk Radio 77. WABC. Talk Radio 77 WABC. It's the 77 WABC News Hour. Talking the news with Noah Layden. All the news you need to know with Joe Nolan, Traffic, Justin Ellick, Sports. And now, talking the news with Noah on 77 WABC. Yep, that's me, 532. Good morning. It is Wednesday, August 16th. Your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. Rain on and off throughout this day. The high going to be 80. The clouds, they hang around tonight and overnight. Low 72. And then tomorrow, beautiful. Sun and clouds, high 82. If you're walking out the door with us right now, so happy you are. 70 raining up in Yonkers in Westchester County. 71 in raining down in Cranford in New Jersey. And in uh, 70 and some heavy rain here in Midtown. We'll start this half hour over in Queens where the uh, first uh, buses arrived last night at the Creedmoor Psychiatric Center in Queens, dropping off 100 single migrant men to that new tent city that was erected in a parking lot there. Of course, there have been a number of protests trying to stop it, but those migrants are moving in. One of them, his name is Sebastian Farrow. He is from Columbia. 
And uh, he says he's been here for a number of weeks already. This is the fifth uh, place that he's been put in since he's arrived here. He said he's been able to find some work, actually. I guess it's all under the table. I found different jobs, cleaning, demolition, uh, sheetrock, different things. To stay here is, is much better in Colombia. Yeah, so the latest accommodation he's moved into is this remote neighborhood on Hillside Avenue. Uh, Mike Saboka, he owns the Denny's restaurant, which is just a few hundred feet down the road from this tent city. He says he wishes the city would give these people or the federal government would give some of these migrants the rights to work because he said he has some job openings. What needs to change is that the federal government needs to give them work authorization. So City Hall admitting yesterday that the tent facility, which was put up in Queens, which has capacity, by the way, for a thousand men, is the what they call the bottom of the barrel when it comes to housing migrants. But city officials say it's the best they can do with their limited options. And uh, here's Fabian Levy. He's the newly appointed deputy mayor of communications. For those who are criticizing, look, we're out of good options. We're out of even OK options. These are the only options left. And it's a question of, do you want people sleeping on the street or do you want people sleeping in a cot? So currently there are 200 shelter sites across the uh, city. They've accommodated 100,000 migrants uh, so far. It costs taxpayers $383 a night per migrant family. So that works out to about $4 billion a year. That's according to the mayor's stats from City Hall. The mayor out yesterday in Brooklyn with some fellow lawmakers, again, asking for the feds for help. He says we don't have the money, the resources to take care of the migrants who, by the way, those buses still rolling into the Port Authority, not every single day, but often enough that the migrants are still coming from the U.S.-Mexico border. And he says the feds have to help out. This city is supposed to be displaying what the godlike spirit is. And it doesn't mean stating that we don't want those people. So 57,000 migrants, that's the number we've been given over the last 24 hours, are in the city's care right now. Uh, Adams repeatedly calling on other New York counties across the state, he says, to do their part and help out. Now, there's been a number of counties, of course, that have pushed back and said, no, no, the migrants are not welcome here. Westchester said okay. Up in Albany, they've taken in some migrants. Buffalo, too. But even those places have stopped taking migrants in the numbers that they were initially. We need workers. We need people contributing our society. We need people making this the melting pot that it is. Yes. Yeah, so the mayor's still on board with uh, keeping us a sanctuary city for at least now. A uh, public advocate, Jamani Williams, he took part in this rally. I don't know if it's called a rally press conference. I'll call it a rally in uh, Brooklyn yesterday where uh, he was calling out the president, which the mayor hasn't done, calling out President Biden and saying, hey, we need money to take care of all these people. You got to, uh, you know, open up those purses. President Biden, please step up and provide the resources that are needed so we can match this humanitarian crisis with a real humanitarian response. We're begging, we're pleading, united as a voice. The mayor uh, saying that even with this large volume of arrivals, he says the city's still treating migrants, what he says, with the dignity, dignity they deserve. When do we pull up the ladder that allowed us to climb up? It's not acceptable. Yeah, so the number also being thrown around in the next couple of years, it would be $12 billion in all to take care of all these migrants. Meanwhile, 
out on Staten Island, they were holding another rally uh, in an attempt to stop a tent city being put up for migrants at Fort Wadsworth. I think it's a big concern. And we know city agencies are scrambling and considering everything under the sun to accommodate these families. Borough President Vito Fasella there asking New York's congressional delegation to request that the federal government put migrants on the mall in D.C. before any other federal sites are used. There's reports city and federal officials are thinking about using the former military base on Staten Island as a migrant shelter. Now, they've already looked it over to see if it could be used. It'd be another tent city of sorts. Vito Fasella says no way. If it is a deed of federal issue, our view is that the federal government should solve it before forcing the people of Staten Island and others to solve their problem that they created. And, of course, it's affecting business. Prominent New York City restaurateur Denny Meyer, who founded the Shake Shack chain, is closing two of his eateries after the historic hotel they're housed in became a migrant shelter. He says the finances don't work out. He says you need actual hotel people who spend money in the restaurants to keep those restaurants afloat. So he's closing them for now. WABC News Time 540, the city's department of education says a potential strike by school bus drivers may impact the start of the school year. DOE officials say they are having ongoing discussions with the Amalgamated Transit Union, which represents these drivers, claiming that they're working through contract negotiations. Nothing's been agreed to yet. And so that's uh, making parents worried. And some of those parents say they're making plans now in case these bus drivers don't show up for work the first day of school. We have to find a way to get them to school. Well, I'm retired. I guess it'll be me taking them back and forth to school. Uh, yeah, I hope they resolve the issue in time for school. Department of Education Chancellor David Banks says they're hopeful they can get a contract done, but there is a possibility, he says, a strike could happen before the start of the school year. Eighty-five Between 85 and 150,000 students take school buses to get to school every day, so it really would affect a large amount of students here in the school, New York City school system. 541 out to Staten Island in what is just a great story. A woman who was abandoned as a newborn at Staten Island Hospital returned to visit the bathroom where she was found and reunited with the nurse who found her. So baby Vicky was discovered in February of 2004 at Richmond University Medical Center when she was only four or five days old. Now, her mother had not given birth to her in the hospital, but somehow she got into the hospital and left her in this bathroom. Now, the bathroom is now a closet, but that didn't matter. They went and took a look at it. She got to say hi and thank you to this nurse, Claudia, who found her all those years ago and uh, saved her. Walking in here was definitely emotional. It definitely felt a little overwhelming, but it was it was really nice to see kind of the, the place where I was left and see that Claudia was so great and took such good care of me. But the story gets a whole lot better. Vicky was eventually adopted by a couple named Angela and Dennis. The couple had one biological son and another named Frank that they had adopted a year earlier. He also had been abandoned and left on the steps of a Staten Island daycare center. I mean, you can't say enough about these parents adopting two abandoned kids, but they never told either one of these kids that they had been abandoned. They knew they'd been adopted, but not know they'd been abandoned. I got the match that my brother had popped up as. Wait, so they finally did. They said, okay, 
you were both abandoned. They only told them just a couple months ago, now that they're like 19 and 20 years old. So both of them said, oh, let's take DNA tests and figure out who our parents are. So they take the DNA test, the brother and the sister, who were abandoned by mothers on Staten Island, and find out that they were actually abandoned by the exact same mother. What's the chance of that? And then adopted by these parents who did not know this part of the story. I got the match that my brother had popped up as my full sibling, my biological brother, which was definitely something crazy and not really expected at all. Yeah, I mean, how crazy is that? That the parents adopted these two kids not knowing they had been abandoned by the same mother. So a nice, a great story. Now knowing the story, it definitely is a lot, but in a good way. It feels like heavy, but in a really, um, a really nice way. Even though the story is kind of about me and my sister, I want to showcase everyone that's around me that like created such a great life for me and my sister. Yeah, good job done by the parents there for adopting those two kids. And uh, while we're talking about babies, infants, a suburban a New York City woman having quite the experience giving birth in the front seat of her car, Kristen Eureka and her husband Joseph had planned to have this baby in the hospital. It was her third kid, but the kid was not waiting to get to the hospital to come out. Uh, thankfully, everybody's okay, but they say it was a crazy scene in the back seat of their Honda Pilot. I wasn't sure what it was. I was like, I think that was the head, but I'm not sure what just came out. Yeah, so the couple was en route to White Plains Hospital in their Honda Pilot when little Phoebe appeared. Uh, Joseph pulled over, wrapped their newborn baby in a sweatshirt, and resumed, uh, resumed driving to the hospital where mom and baby were given a clean bill of health. Uh, uh, so thankfully everybody's okay, uh, and the baby's gonna do alright, mom's okay. I'm so grateful. so grateful to be healthy. We can chuckle about it now. Yeah, so that baby and mom and family will have a great story to tell for years to come. I had, uh, by the way, they always say like the second or third kid comes out awfully fast and you'd be near the hospital. It does seem that way. I almost had that episode where my wife, <laughs> on the way, the wife was like, I think I'm going to give birth in the car as we were racing to Hackensack University Medical Center. Thank God we made it to the hospital and like. 30 minutes later, she gave birth to one of my kids. All right, 545, let's head over to the 77 WABC Sports Desk, where we find Justin Ellen. Thank you, No Mullen. Start with baseball, another bleak night for both of our local ball clubs. Last night, with the Yankees falling 5 to nothing to the Braves in Atlanta, in the middle game of a three-game set, and the Mets losing 7-4 at home in game two of three with the Pittsburgh Pirates. For the Yankees, they got one hit by Atlanta's Bryce Elder in a completely non-competitive effort. They've been non-competitive really as of late. And route to their fourth straight loss, the last place Bombers at 16-60 are now uh, 500 for the first time since May 1st when they were 15-15. and They have never been under 500 this season, and in fact, they're at 500 this late in the season for the first time since 1995. They'll try not to dip below that mark tonight. Excuse me. In the finale with Atlanta set for a 7.20 p.m. first pitch. The Yanks have yet to name a starter to go against Atlanta's Charlie Morton. As for the Mets, it was a six-run seventh inning out of the Pittsburgh Bats that spelled doom for the Orange and Blue, squandering a three-run lead and wrapped to their loss. They'll see if they can avoid a sweep at the hands of Pittsburgh in the series finale set for a 1.10 p.m. first pitch this afternoon. Tyler McGill gets pegged for the start against Pittsburgh's Johan Abiedo. Neither of those games are really much to look forward to, but no, you do have some preseason football to look forward to this weekend. Thank God. Yeah, right? I mean, we're getting closer and closer to week one 
So you got the Giants and Panthers at MetLife on Friday night. Big weekend here at MetLife. And then on Saturday night, the Jets and Buccaneers, they'll kick things off at MetLife as well. Sports. No, on 77 WABC. I'm Justin Ellick. Let's catch you up on the uh, big stories of the morning. Continues to be this fourth indictment against former President Trump, who still has a stronghold on supporters even here in New York City after facing his fourth indictment. Here were some voters midtown. They're putting him on a spit, going after him uh, unjustly. They're trying to divert away from the whole Biden debacle. Yeah, he shouldn't be indicted. That's a fix. They're going to keep throwing stuff at him until they could try to get him to stop running, which isn't going to happen. They just want to get him on something. Trump, other several other allies, including Rudy Giuliani, indicted in connection with trying to overturn the 2020 presidential election in Georgia. The former president taking to Truth Social, saying he's going to hold a press conference soon where he'll lay out these uh, uh, irrefutable report proving his innocence as he faces this criminal conspiracy charges in Georgia. More from some supporters and detractors. The supporters are a bunch of fools. It doesn't matter what they believe or not. It's what the rest of the country believes. He has it coming, so it's just a matter of time. Well, let's just hope he doesn't have 51% of the supporters vote. <laughs> New Yorkers watching on, of course, as the former mayor, Rudy Giuliani, caught up in this latest indictment. I think he was uh, amazing for us. Times change. People forget about all the good he's done. He's a good man, and I think it's kind of ridiculous what they're doing. He was a good mayor, but not anymore. He's loony. Rudy Giuliani would push back against that idea, and in fact, he did. He was on his own show, which is on here, 77 WABC, 3 o'clock, where he laid out that he is innocent. Then he went on Cats and the Cosby last night, 5 o'clock, again, describing what this indictment's all about, and he thinks it's all nonsense. I mean, it's quite obvious this is a political indictment. This may, I mean, they're all obviously political, but she's had this for two years. She could have brought it a year ago. It's a ridiculous indictment because it belongs in federal court, and she got her publicity yesterday. I hope she kept home movies of it because she can watch it when she, you know, when she when they when yeah. they write her uh, history as a lawyer, which is basically no contribution to the law. And uh, this is and she made a jerk out of herself. She doesn't know the rules of her own court. Of course, we all know the mayor well here, as he has that show every day at 3 o'clock. We also know his one of his top advisors, Ted Goodman, well. He was out on the streets talking to reporters yesterday defending his boss, the former mayor. Millions of Americans stand by Mayor Rudy Giuliani because they understand that he remains the most effective prosecutor in American history. Once again, we are talking about a man who locked up the most serious criminals on Wall Street. Goodman says everything Giuliani has done has been all by the book. Now, even in this particular case, let's remember, this is a man who's been proven right time and time again when it comes to Russian collusion, when it comes to uh, President Joe Biden's foreign bribery. He knows what he's done uh, is all by the book, and uh, justice will prevail. Kimberly Guilfoyle, who is Donald Trump Jr.'s longtime girlfriend, she showed up Cats and Cosby 5 o'clock yeah, last night. Her. What's that? Oh, God, enough of her. You don't like Kimberly Guilfoyle? You know, her and I were, were really, really close, and I think she thinks we still are. Right. But, and not many people know this, but I'm telling you it's a fact, there is this rivalry that doesn't exist with Lara, but it does exist with Kimberly. You're talking about Lara Trump. Right. Lara's mm-hmm. married to Eric, who's Donald's son. Kimberly is dying to be married to Donald Jr. Of course, he hasn't asked her to marry him yet. Why, why not? Do we know? And she's insanely jealous that she doesn't get the same respect that Lara does. So there's this sort of sibling rivalry, which, again, Lara doesn't care 
kind of like the Yankees and the Red Sox, but Kimberly does. So all of a sudden, Kimberly, who's my friend for years, 15 years, called me in Miami on the way to taking a little kid to school. Now she gives me a hard time, ends up on Cats and Cosby every other week, and I got a beggar. I go, hey, Kimberly, no thank you. Go do your Rumble show. Go do your thing. I'll just bring Lara on. And that makes her crazy. Hmm. Well, do you want to hear what Kimberly Guilfoyle had to say on Cats and Cosby uh, last night? Do I want to hear it? Yeah. I couldn't give a rat's ass. All right, then I'm going to play it. It's a three-ring circus, but let me tell you something. Um, what an embarrassment this is for law and order and for justice in our country, where this uh, politically motivated and also looking out for you know personal gain and fundraising off of this. She clearly has big aspirations, trying to make a name for herself, using her office in an inappropriate way. Um, and this is all just election interference because they know they can't, you know, beat President Trump. Kimberly Guilfoyle on Cats and Cosby. Of course, you hear Cats and Cosby every single day, five o'clock right here on 77 WABC. So what will happen next? Well, the former president, uh, 18 other defendants indicted by this Georgia grand jury will reportedly be booked at the Fulton County Jail. Fulton County Sheriff's Office spokeswoman Natalie Ammon said on Tuesday that based on guidance from the DA's office, it is expected all 19 will be booked and that defendants can turn themselves in at any time. Ammons also went on to say that the booking process and arraignment are separate, with some arraignments possibly done virtually. I'm Mark Mayfield. All right, let's not just slap around the Republicans. We'll slap around the Democrats, too, on to the Hunter Biden story. House Republicans say a 2018 text message from Hunter Biden, in which he claimed to have paid his father's bills for more than a decade, suggests further evidence of the first family's corruption. In this text thread, which goes on forever and is a little complicated, but the big point here in these text chain is one this one sentence where Hunter says to one of his aides that my dad has been using most lines on this account, which uh, I'm okay with, and I've paid these bills for the past 11 years. Part of this checks uh, chain between this uh, Biden, uh, this Hunter Biden aide and Hunter. The texts also show some combining of Hunter's and Biden's finances that have been uncovered by Fox News Digital in past reports. Of course, President Biden pushing back against this, snapping back at reporters again who were asking about this yesterday as he was on the campaign trail. WABC News Time 554. Let's bring it back home. Those three dead whales have washed up on tri-state beaches in the past five days, prompting scientists to study why it's keep happening. A necropsy now underway on the humpback whale that washed up this week in Long Beach on Long Island. That was on Monday. The whale, 26 feet long, a male between the ages of two and five years old. It was first spotted floating in the water at Atlantic Beach on Monday and then later washed up on Long Beach. Oh, it's so sad. It to is. me, the question is, you know, how is it happening? Why is it happening? And what can we do to stop it? Yeah, I don't know that we have answers to any of those questions. Parts of the whale will be buried in pieces on the beach. Data shows New York and New Jersey have the highest number of humpback whale strandings along the East Coast. We also are in the process of building a wind farm off of New Jersey's coast. Reports, though, from the National Oceanic Atmospheric Administration show from January until May of this year, there have been six unusual humpback whale deaths in New York and seven in New Jersey. Now, some of those researchers from NOAA were on the beach yesterday. They will not blame the wind farms. They say it uh, is more than that. Climate change is definitely a factor. So we have warming ocean temperatures, the humpback whales are following their main prey, the menhaden, so they're swimming closer to shore.
Yeah, the story, though, we'll tell you, though, in the end is they do not know what is going on here. And uh, while we're talking about animals on a much lighter note, in Whitestone, uh, there is a problem with raccoons, apparently just all over the place. One of the people dealing with it in her backyard, Diane Mancini, she says she's trying to relax in her backyard. This is during the day. Usually these raccoons only come out at night, but now they're coming out during the day. I turn and I look and I see three raccoons sitting here looking at me. What are you doing here? Come on, go away. This is every day now. They're coming out during the day. They're coming out in the evening. Yeah, during the day, I would be worried they might have rabies. She's tried deterring them, uh, ammonia, cayenne pepper, mothballs. Those are those things that are supposed to keep the raccoons away. But it seems that there's more of them than ever. Not one or two. Or three. We're talking up to eight. I just feel like I constantly have to disinfect. I don't know what kind of germ they might be bringing my way. I'd be worried about that as well. So she called the city for help, right? 311. And the city really won't help you. They just give you information on how to get trappers. If you want a trapper to come in and get the raccoon, uh, she was told it would be $400 per raccoon. She's like, I don't have that kind of money. I can't do that. It's going to cost me thousands. I love animals. Could I easily do something terrible to get rid of them? I'm not that kind of person. Yeah, so, so far, the city, we reached out to them to see what they're doing with this raccoon problem. They did not get back to us.